The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Okay, it's a special edition of PFTPM. Remember when we did PFTPM during the annual hiatus, 35 days off for PFT Live, 34 editions of PFTPM. I actually became wistful and considered doing PFTPM on a regular basis. Then my reality shifted back to two hours every morning on PFT Live. I like having the rest of the day to copy-paste snarky comment at profootballtalk.com. And it's difficult to find time to stop everything I'm doing to do this. But what I plan to do from time to time, as events dictate, as circumstances arise, potentially, actually, as in today, do special editions of PFTPM. And this one is special. It's different. It's unique because of what happened yesterday. Jim Trotter formerly of NFL Network. And we saw this coming, even though he landed with The Athletic. Everything that preceded his termination, everything that was said after NFL Network fired him, it looked like there would eventually be litigation. And let me just start there. There will be people who say, because they say it with coaches, they say it with others. Well, the person wasn't fired. Their contract wasn't renewed. Their contract expired and everybody went their separate ways. Still, if the employee wants to continue to work there and the employer says, no, thank you, the relationship is over because the contract has expired, the employee has been terminated. Most people are employees at will. Any given day, the employer can say, today's the day, see you later. Any given day, the employee can say, today's the day, see you later. Contract binds the sides together until the contract expires. Then when the contract expires, you either negotiate a new one or everybody goes their separate ways. The NFL decided to go its separate way from Jim Trotter after Trotter alleges in his complaint, leading him to believe that there was going to be an extension. But then came the second annual decision by Trotter to pose a very pointed question to the commissioner at the pre-Super Bowl press conference, raining on the parade, creating the perception that Trotter isn't on board with the NFL's mission. The allegation is that activity caused or contributed to the decision to fire him. So the purpose of today's PFTPM is to give me a chance to Talk about what this means and where this will go, because not only did I practice law for 19 years, this is in my wheelhouse. These are the cases I handled. I initially worked for a firm. Now, when I first got started, I was doing environmental litigation, which gave me a lot of practical experience, attendance at a lot of depositions, while most of my colleagues were 
sent to the library to grind and grind and grind billable hours. So I got to go out and do some things, which was very rare at a big firm. Then when I moved from Pittsburgh to West Virginia, I started working for a firm that represents employers. And the problem is when you're a young lawyer aspiring to compete for partnership and eventually achieve it as I did, and that's not a, I mean, I'm just, I did, and then I left, but I was climbing a mountain. And when you're trying to climb the mountain, what you do is when one of the firm's institutional clients has been sued by a former employee who alleges some sort of discrimination or retaliation, you take that case. You don't have the luxury as somebody who has a mortgage, a young child, and aspirations to become partner. You can't say, you know what? I looked at the file. I really don't believe in this one. Can I have another one instead? You have to go forward with the case, even if you think it's a dog. And the problem is, most of these cases are filed for a reason. And if you don't really believe in it, you have to make yourself believe in it. You have to fight for the client, but then at the right time, you have to say to the client, probably a good idea to settle this. See, you have to be an attorney. You have to fight. You have to be zealous, but you have to be an advisor, a counselor, somebody who goes back to the client and says, you know, here's our problem. And the client can get mixed signals because the client reads your paperwork, sees you in court, sees you fighting for the client's interest. And then the client hears you say, here's why you may lose. And the client's like, well, why'd you say all that stuff out in court? Well, because that's where I try to do everything I can to help us win. But when it's just us, I got to tell you, this is a shit case. Pardon me. So after I did that for a while, I decided I want to be the one who decides which cases I take on. I want to take on the cases I believe in. And I saw enough times that the employers were screwing the employees and paying law firms to help them get away with it and cover it up. I thought, you know, there's probably enough people out there that have been screwed. And I, I know how these cases go. I trust my instincts. And I just feel better about helping somebody who's been cast out of their employment into the wilderness of unemployment. And if I don't believe in the case, I just say no. I just take the cases I believe in plain and simple. So I've been there. I've done that. And I know how hard it is to prove that someone has discriminated against or retaliated against someone. And those are the two main claims here brought under federal law, New York state law and New York city law. The notion that Jim Trotter was the victim of discrimination on the basis of race and or color. And he was retaliated against for engaging in protected activities, specifically sounding the alarm within NFL Network that the newsroom has underrepresentation of Black reporters and employees and leadership at NFL Network, NFL.com, is devoid of sufficient representation of Black employees, given that the league is made up of 70% Black players. So the argument is this. He was agitating in a way that the law not only protects, but encourages employees agitate. And for his agitation, he was rewarded with a one-way ticket out of the workplace. And you know, the one case that I can compare that to that I took all the way through to trial 19 years ago this month, an employee, and I'm not going to name names and I'm not going to name companies, but an employee of a company that does refurbishing and maintenance on planes. There was a question about 
whether or not folks were properly applying and utilizing the procedures to make sure that the engine is properly refurbished. And it gets complicated, but the bottom line is there was a troublemaker in the eyes of the employer. There was somebody who was standing up saying something's wrong here and it creates a potential safety problem. So they concocted some bullcrap argument for firing him based upon an alleged violation of some rule that never gets applied to anybody else. See, that's the problem with big employers. They have a stack of policies this high and they only apply them against the people they want to get rid of. And that's how you prove something smells funny. Wait a minute. We got other people who did the same damn thing or worse, and they're still gainfully employed. That's how you prove what's never going to be admitted. Because I guarantee you, no matter what happens in the Jim Trotter case, no one is going to sit on a witness stand on behalf of the NFL or NFL Network and say, yeah, you got us. We fired Jim Trotter because he was engaged in protected activities under federal, state, and local law. And we just didn't like that. It made us uncomfortable. He was taking it too far. He was saying it too often. He embarrassed the commissioner at his crowning press conference. Most important moment of the year for the commissioner, pre-Super Bowl. He rained on the parade by bringing up things we'd rather he not bring up. Oh, we've got problems and we've got work to do. And they'll admit it. The commissioner in talking about it today with Stephen A. Smith on ESPN's First Take. He admitted they still have work to do. Troy Vincent has said on the record that the NFL's track record when it comes to the hiring of black coaches is essentially shameful. It's not an exact quote, but that was the message that Troy Vincent sent after the Brian Flores lawsuit. So they'll still never admit it. That's what Jim Trotter is going to have to prove through circumstantial evidence. And circumstantial evidence is fine. People think it's bad evidence. No, it can be very good evidence. And the best example of what circumstantial evidence is, and this is how I would explain it to juries, in trials that relied on circumstantial evidence in most cases like this do. You say to the jury, here's what circumstantial evidence is. Before I go to bed, I look out the window, I see my car parked out in front of the house. There's no snow on the car. I go to bed. I wake up the next morning. I look outside the window. It's not snowing. I never saw it snow. I have no idea that it snowed. But wait, there's three inches of snow on my car. Circumstantial evidence that while I was asleep, it snowed. And the circumstance that proves it is the presence of the snow on my car. So the circumstantial evidence can be very powerful. And what happens in a case like this, to prove that the NFL had an improper motivation in firing Jim Trotter, his lawyers, I assume, will try to focus on some specific dispute where Trotter takes one position the league takes the exact opposite, and Trotter's lawyers can prove that Trotter is right. It becomes very difficult to accept anything else the NFL has to say if, on a significant issue, a significant point, it is diametrically opposed positions, and Trotter's lawyers manage to convince the jury that Trotter's telling the truth and that the NFL isn't. And that leads to what I always call the bad beef stew analogy. It's something that I would use on juries during closing argument. And it, it's when you do a trial, 
there's a certain element of, you know, a comedian goes from town to town with the same material and it's a different audience every time. You're never going to get the same person on a jury twice. And if that would ever happen, it would be so far removed from the last time the person's going to forget. But the snow example was something that I used on a regular basis for circumstantial evidence. And bad beef stew goes like this. If you have a pot of beef stew and you set the stage by saying you're out camping and you have a campfire and you have a big pot and you put all the stuff in and you cut up the vegetables and you put the meat in, you know, you set it all up and then you take a bite and the piece of meat that you get is rancid, horrible, maggot infested. What do you do? Do you just spit it out and keep eating the stew? Or do you dump the whole pot out and start over? And so if you can prove in a case like this, that there is one significant issue where the defendant cannot be trusted. Do you just spit out that piece of evidence and go back and keep eating? Or do you dump it all out? So that's one way that Trotter's lawyers can really try to prove their case. And that's why I think it's so important that they focused on comments made both by Bill's owner, Terry Pagula, and Cowboy's owner, Jerry Jones. And if I'm Trotter's lawyers, I'm delighted that both came out and so stridently and loudly refuted what is contained in the lawsuit. Makes it easier. Because you know what happens now? Not right now, but eventually. What happens is Terry Pagula gets put under oath. Jerry Jones gets put under oath. And they get questioned aggressively. And really rich and powerful people don't like that. They do not want to submit to any authority other than their own. They're not used to anyone talking to them that way, asking them tough questions, saying anything to them other than how great they are and how everything they do is absolutely right. You surround yourself with people who will tell you what you want to hear. And then all of a sudden, you're sitting across a conference room table from a lawyer who is coming after you, who does not fear you, who relishes the opportunity to be the one person to force you to answer questions when you would just as soon walk out the door. And it can go one of two ways. The witness can be properly prepared by his lawyers, whether it's Pagula or Jones, and listen to everything that they tell him, answer the questions the right way, be coached properly, short answers, to the point, tell the truth, but give very short answers, force the questioner to keep drawing it out and asking the right questions. Basically, when I was preparing a witness to testify, I had a list of like seven different answers you could give at a deposition. Yes, no, I don't know, I don't remember. And then if you're asked a question that requires a substantive response, you just keep it simple. What color is the sky? Blue. You can answer it with one word, blue. You don't have to get into, well, you know, some days it's blue and some days if it's cloudy, it's kind of gray. And then some days it's kind of hazy and other day blue. Because the more you talk, the more you give that lawyer something that lawyer can use to ask follow-up questions that maybe the lawyer hadn't thought in his or her preparation to even ask. And that's why the other way it goes, and this is the Jerry Jones way. If I had to place a bet on this, I would bet that when it's time for Jerry Jones to testify, no amount of coaching, if he even sits down for it, because he probably won't have patience for it. He's probably one of these guys that hates lawyers because they try to tell him what he can and can't do. 
They're going to coach him. They're at least going to try. And when it's time for him to go testify, he's going to believe he can talk his way. He can charm his way out of anything. Now, it's frustrating when you're the lawyer because you go into it with a binder. I used to have a binder full of questions. I would have 20 pages, sometimes more, with all my questions typed out in advance with some space in between so I can make some notes. But if you really want to prepare, you think of all the issues. What am I trying to prove? My one chance to interview this person. My one chance to try to get to the truth. What all do I need? So it's frustrating when... You've got a witness that just goes on and on with this long answer. When are you going to get to the point? But you know what you do as a lawyer? Put the pen down and just sit there and let him keep going. And let him keep going. Maybe nod, maybe smile, and let him keep going. And listen very carefully, as frustrating as it may be, because you've got other questions to get to. And the witness is meandering through all sorts of nonsense. But there's a chance. And it's a pretty good chance. The longer that witness talks, eventually, that witness is going to say something that is going to help you in your pursuit of justice on behalf of your client. That's the Jerry Jones deposition in this case, whenever it occurs. So if through the questioning of Jerry Jones, the questioning of Terry Pagula, the use of whatever corroborating evidence there might be. Now, the Jones comments were made in kind of a group setting. Will McClay, the VP of player personnel, was there. It'd be interesting to see how truthful he is. Maybe he just says, I don't remember, I don't remember, I don't remember, which actually cuts both ways. Because if he says, I don't remember, in response to the questions he's asked at deposition by Jim Trotter's lawyers, good luck putting him on the witness stand to have him say, Jerry Jones never said that because he's already used, I don't remember, I don't remember, I don't remember to avoid answering tough questions on cross-examination at deposition. But anybody that was around, anybody that was part of that conversation will be questioned under oath to try to corroborate, to try to tip the scale one way or the other. Jim Trotter says one thing, Jerry Jones says the other. And Jerry Jones allegedly made a racist remark that is one of the key centerpieces in bold print in the Jim Trotter lawsuit. So beyond the question of who the jury believes, because the jury may just decide without any corroborating evidence, I believe Jim Trotter, I don't believe Jerry Jones, or I believe Jerry Jones, I don't believe Jim Trotter. The corroborating witnesses, one way or the other, whether developed by the league or developed by Trotter, will help tip the scales, assuming it's a wash. Assuming the witnesses seem equally credible, it's a wash. So the evidence that's developed, it goes one way or the other. And so if it goes this way and you believe Jim Trotter and you don't believe Jerry Jones, that sets the stage for the bad beef stew argument at close. You got a piece of rancid meat. You believe Jerry Jones wasn't telling the truth about what he said or didn't say to Jim Trotter at the 2021 Hall of Fame game between the Steelers and the Cowboys on the field before the game started. And if you believe Jerry Jones isn't telling the truth about that, and this is what the NFL wants you to believe, that something that you believe isn't the truth and the NFL wants you to believe it. What else that they want you to believe isn't true? That's how the argument would go. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Terry Pagula, same thing. A little bit different, though. And this one, this one is sensitive as it relates to the dynamics within NFL Network because what happened here was September 3 of 2020, there was a Zoom call with roughly 40, I believe, is the number in the complaint, employees from NFL Media. And a reporter, not Jim Trotter, but some other reporter, heard Terry Pagula make an incredibly racist comment along the lines of if the black players don't like how things are going here they should go back to africa and see how it is there i mean it's almost cartoonish to think that someone would actually say that pagula strongly denies it he's disgusted by the implication all the kind of harumphing that you would expect in a case like this what else is he going to say well what happens next trotter's testimony will only be this is what the person said at the meeting and I asked whether or not there'd be an investigation. And I constantly went back to my supervisors. What's the result of this investigation? This needs to be investigated. And eventually I was told it's an HR matter and that's the end of it. And I said, so we're just going to sweep this under the rug. And the supervisor says, I can only tell you what I was told. All that gets in because, oh, it's hearsay. It, there's a way to get all that in. Because, and, and I don't want to get too lawyerly here. But the statement that Trotter would be making, the idea that some other reporter said on the call that Terry Pagula said what he said, it's not being introduced to prove the truth of this assertion. It's being introduced to prove that the NFL was on notice there was a problem. And what did the NFL do about it? Did the NFL truly investigate it or did the NFL sweep it under the rug? And then what you do, if you're Jim Trotter's lawyers, you find the employee and Jim Trotter knows who it is. The name isn't mentioned in the complaint, but he surely knows who it is. You depose that person and you get that person to tell their story. That's not hearsay. That is the person repeating the words that were uttered in his presence by Terry Pagula. Now here's where it becomes sensitive. And this is where to the extent anybody from NFL network is watching or listening. First of all, thank you. Second of all, be careful how you view this. And be careful who you listen to internally. Because I think there's going to be a sentiment at NFL Network that Jim Trotter has done something wrong here by involving a co-worker in his lawsuit, by citing something that a co-worker said during a conference call that was held in conjunction with the turmoil in the aftermath 
of the summer of 2020 with the murder of George Floyd and everything that happened after that. Now, look, this occurred September 3rd. So it's not like, boom, right afterward when everything was in turmoil. But regardless, regardless of when it happened, there's no privilege that applies. There's no argument that anything said during this in-house conference call can never be repeated. It's all confidential. That's baloney. The person who said what was heard by that person from Terry Pagula, once they open their mouth and put that out there, I mean, we're all adults here. It's out there. It has been said. It becomes critical evidence in this case. And if I was representing Jim Trotter, if he comes to me and I'm in the process of figuring out how we're going to go forward and what we're going to make as the, the key allegations in the complaint, what we're going to push going forward, et cetera. It's not a very long conversation from my perspective that you absolutely are going to use this evidence. You absolutely are going to name that person. We absolutely are going to take that person's deposition. And if they have a problem with it, it's their problem because there is nothing secret about this. And Jim Trotter's doing nothing wrong. He's not selling anyone out. He's trying to get to the truth. And it's hard enough to get to the truth when the employer is wired to put one witness on the stand after the other that says, oh, we didn't consider that at all. Oh, no, we didn't have any problem with Jim Trotter asking questions that irritated the commissioner at two consecutive pre-Super Bowl press conferences. We didn't have a problem with that at all. No, no, we just, you know, it's the, the, the vagaries of the marketplace and uh, the, 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 the economic realities. And, we, you know, we just made the tough decision that we had to get rid of somebody and Jim Trotter was the one, but it had nothing to do with any of the protected activities he engaged in. The comment from Terry Pagula is the kind of thing that pushes all that crap out of the way, especially if we do the bad beef stew test. Trotter testifies, Pagula testifies, the other NFL Network reporter testifies. And if at the end of the day, the jury decides Trotter's telling the truth, Pagula isn't, that's a rancid piece of meat that may cause the jury to dump out the whole pot and Jim Trotter wins. So that's how it's all going to play out. And one of the reasons it's going to play out that way. And we reported this back at the time Trotter was fired. One of the things I wanted to find out does his contract include a mandatory arbitration clause? Because we know what the NFL does. The NFL wants to take any case that would be an open court and force it to the secret rigged kangaroo court where nothing becomes public, nothing is said, no one can follow the case, it doesn't happen in open court, and oh, by the way, Roger Goodell gets to pick who the person is that will decide the outcome of the case. And usually it's somebody who's got a bias baked in in favor of the league. It's so ridiculous that the league does it. I've said before, why would you even want to do that? Why don't you want somebody who's truly impartial? It just looks bad that the NFL is going to hire somebody that the NFL believes at some level, directly or indirectly, expressly or implicitly, is going to support the NFL's interests. Let's have a truly independent body. But the NFL doesn't want that. The NFL doesn't want to be regulated. The NFL doesn't want to be held accountable. So... How does Jim Trotter have a contract that doesn't have a mandatory arbitration clause? I guarantee you he would have signed the contract. That's the perfect time to get somebody to agree to something like that. You want a job here? You got to sign the contract. Oh, there's some stuff in the contract you don't like? Well, I guess you don't want this job after all. We'll give it to somebody else. It's called a contract of adhesion. It's take it or leave it. Coaches, every coach 
has that mandatory arbitration clause. I would submit every general manager, every high-level scout, every key employee of every team has that at the behest of the league, at the recommendation of the league. So you've got an NFL Network reporter that doesn't have it. It wasn't put in there. That's malpractice. I don't use that word lightly. But when you as a corporate, although the NFL isn't a corporation, but you know, a business entity that wants to engineer the potential application of the laws and the legal system in its favor has this, this perfect device that has been used over and over again to take any potential controversy out of open court and into the control of the NFL and you don't use it. That's a conversation that I would not want to be on the wrong side of the desk for. Why didn't you, Jeff Pash, or whoever the in-house NFL network counsel is, why in the world do these contracts not have a mandatory arbitration clause in them? So this is going forward. They're not going to be able to get it into arbitration. They may try what they did with John Gruden, where they made some argument on the, under the Constitution and bylaws that because it deals with allegations of a certain type of misconduct, the commissioner has the exclusive ability to... That's, that's a bullcrap argument, but if they try to make it, it'll show you how desperate they are to avoid accountability. At the end of the day, that's what they want to do. They're never going to tell us that. And they don't like the fact that I'm saying it. They don't want to be accountable. They don't want their business out in public. They don't want to be regulated. They don't want to be told they can't do what they do. They just want to do it and move on. And if you don't like it, tough crap. We're doing what we want to do. Now, the best approach for the NFL given the fact that somebody failed to put mandatory arbitration clauses in contracts like the one signed by Jim Trotter, settle the case. Now, don't file a motion to dismiss or take a few shots at trying to kill the case early. They're not going to kill the case early. I read the lawsuit. There's nothing in there that's going to cause the case to be dismissed. The best they could do is that weird Hail Mary arbitration argument under the Constitution and bylaws. He was fired, and he's alleging, with facts backing it up, circumstantial evidence, that there's an issue within the NFL as it relates to racial bias, the history of integration or lack thereof among players. There are other examples that are laid out in the complaint, the Colin Kaepernick situation, the Brian Flores lawsuit. There's enough there that Jim Trotter will be allowed to go out and conduct discovery, question witnesses, get documents text messages, emails, other materials the NFL would have, whatever materials may have been generated if and when they investigated the Pagula remarks or the Jones remarks, whatever they did or didn't do, all that's fair game. The only way to short circuit it is to pass the hat and write a check. And I suggested earlier today, a million from each team, 5 million from the Bills, 5 million from the Cowboys, $40 million. You put it on the table now for Jim Trotter. I couldn't blame him if he took it. Gets it now. It's over. After taxes, 22, 23 million, you're set. You're set for life. Boom. It's over. You win. But, and I think if anybody is going to be able to walk away from that 40, because I, I, I'd have a hard time doing it. I'd have a very hard, I think any of us would have a hard time. When you think of what that money can do for you, the kind of freedom it gives you, the kind of security it provides for your family, 
Hard to walk away from it. Got a tiger by the tail. Are you going to keep pulling? Or are you going to take the big pot of money to let the tiger go? And you're just done with it. You can move on with your life. No testimony, no agitation, no worry, no stress, no trial. Certainty. And I got it now. The NFL should do it. That's their best and easiest way to get out from under this thing and to not have to deal with Jerry Jones' deposition testimony, Terry Pagula deposition testimony. What they should do, and this comes from the comments that Roger Goodell made on first take. Because on one hand, it's like, well, the, we, we look into these things. Well, we already did. It, it happened a few years ago. We already did look into it. Yeah, but did you really look into it? What they need to do is resolve this and then truly investigate it. Because any investigation that would happen while the case is still pending is going to be conducted in a way that supports what the NFL is trying to do. They're going to circle the wagons. As long as the case is around, they're circling the wagons. And I've been there on both sides of it, where you've got a manager who is accused of wrongdoing that gave rise to a lawsuit. The company has to decide right out of the gates. Do we believe this person? Do we circle the wagons around this person? Or do we throw that person to the wolves and hope for the best? If you do that, the best is still going to be pretty bad because you're essentially admitting that person whose conduct flows directly to you because that person is your representative. That person was acting on your behalf. Hard to win the case if you do that. A lot of times what happens is the company circles the wagons around the employee, fights like hell, settles the case, or loses at trial. And then the manager who was accused of wrongdoing is gone. Once the dust settles, once the case is over, once the check clears, once the settlement agreement is signed, that manager is gone. So the best case here would be settle it and investigate it. And go wherever the facts may take you. A real investigation. And if it's determined Terry Pagula said it, some sort of a sanction, whatever the appropriate sanction is. If it's determined Jerry Jones said it, whatever the appropriate sanction is. Now, if they would make a settlement offer and Jim Trotter says, no, I want to keep going. No, I want to keep going. There will eventually be a trial. The only way we avoid a trial is if the NFL wins on some sort of motion right out of the gates, motion to dismiss. The more common attack is after all the discovery has happened, the NFL will file what's called a motion for summary judgment. You may have heard that term in other contexts recently. Basically, what it means is, hey, judge, there's no need for a trial here. There's no issue that we need to bring a jury in to try to figure out. Because based upon the undisputed record of evidence, we can apply the law to the undisputed facts, and we win. That would be the argument. And I've done that from the employer's perspective. One of the things you would do when you're putting together your materials and your preparations for a deposition of the person who is suing you, you got a list of admissions you hope that maybe you can get the person to make. Because if they admit them, then they become undisputed and those undisputed facts can lay the foundation for a victorious motion for summary judgment. The NFL will try to do that. When it gets real is when that motion is denied. Because usually it's not long before the trial date that the judge issues a decision on the motion for summary judgment. After that, it's time to get ready. It's go time. And wouldn't it be great? Now, now look, I, I know I know I work for an NFL broadcast partner, and I know the NFL probably doesn't like me saying this, but boy, wouldn't it be great to have an opportunity to really see what's under the rocks, what's under the stones, what really goes on, what's really said? It's always hidden. It's always sent to arbitration. 
this is an opportunity to find out. I'd have to consider going to Manhattan and sit in front row for the festivities. Do PFT Live, head to the courthouse. Seriously. Chances are it's never going to happen because most of these cases do settle. But if Jim Trotter is determined, if he's determined to say no to whatever they offer him, if he's able, through the help of his lawyers, to win any efforts by the league to end the case prematurely, there will be a trial. And we'll see what happens. And I figure something like this would be, it, it differs from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, one to two weeks, depending upon how many issues really are, are grappled with at trial. Jerry Jones, Terry Pagula, the circumstances surrounding Jim Trotter's termination. He's also got a DeMar Hamlin wrinkle that I'll be posting about where he claims he was told by Brian McCarthy, the chief NFL spokesperson, to stand down when Jim Trotter was getting ready to go on air and report some of the things that others reported that the league initially wanted the Bills and the Bengals to keep going after the DeMar Hamlin cardiac arrest. That's a very sticky subject for some in the league office. They don't want anything out there that would support the idea that, that they plan to go forward with the game. And I don't know why. It would just be easy to say, that's what we always do. We always move forward after a player injury that's what we were going to do here until we realized how serious it was. That's when we backed off. But Trotter claims he was told to back off from whatever he planned to report about Hamlin. So that's another, that's another wrinkle in this, that if it goes to trial, makes the NFL look bad. And I'm not rooting for the NFL to be made to look bad. What I'm rooting for is a chance to just find out how things really work. To take a peek under Big Shield and see what's in there. All the stuff that I sense goes on, this is a chance to find out. This is a chance to confirm my suspicions. And in saying that, because I get this question from time to time, why do you hate the NFL? You hate the NFL. You're always fighting with the NFL. Well, I'm not always fighting with the NFL. We're aligned on a lot of things. But there's a separation in my mind between the NFL as a broader structure with all the teams and the games and everything we love about football and the league office, which is the NFL which has oversight of the game. I believe from time to time, they engage in business practices that are unbecoming to this mythology that was created back in the 70s. And I've said this before. They built up through NFL films this pedestal that the league resides upon. So now, I mean, it worked on 10-year-old version of me. Now that I'm grown and I understand how this stuff works, I, I hold them to the standard that John Facenda's voice created. So that's why I do it. I want what's best for the league. And like any organization, there are going to be people who think they're acting in the best interests of the organization, but they're really acting in their own best interests. They're trying to implement something that helps them to the detriment of the broader cause. So that's the long and the short of it. Maybe longer than shorter. But to the extent you're interested in what's going to happen with Jim Trotter, that's my perspective based upon my experience handling cases like this. And we'll continue to watch the case. And maybe we'll have more of these segments based upon the evidence that comes to light. Now, I promised that I would answer some questions. I've got a few. I'm going to take a look at them to see whether there's anything I haven't already discussed.
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. PFTPM Posse, this won't do it, but is there truly anything that can legitimately bring down or even tarnish Jerry Jones? He seems to be bulletproof and made of Teflon. We saw what happened with Daniel Snyder. They were inching toward an effort to force him out, and he finally decided to walk away. It would take some pretty strong evidence to get the league to potentially force Jerry Jones to sell. And remember, it's been about six, seven years ago when he was fighting the commissioner's contract extension at the time, and he got Papa John involved. There was a point where the league was at least considering the possibility of invoking a procedure that would have forced him to sell the team. There is that nuclear option in the NFL's constitution and bylaws, but I doubt that it ever gets to that point. And I don't think this would be the thing that does it. Now, if this results in a Mary Jo White investigation and she starts poking around and she finds some other stuff, just like she did with Daniel Snyder, who knows how it plays out. Ron Stepp, in your estimation, does Mr. Trotter have a real chance at winning against the vastly more powerful and financially overwhelming resources of the NFL? Yes, yes. Look, I, I used to take on big companies all the time, and it was just me. He's backed up by a pretty successful firm. It's the same firm that represents Brian Flores and company. New York City employment discrimination firm specializing in or focusing on, we're not supposed to say specializing as lawyers, focusing on the representation of individuals. They'll have what they need to fight the NFL. And the NFL can put as many lawyers on the case as they want. They'll stand up and they'll pursue the truth and they'll see it through all the way to the end if that's what it takes. Hunter Wallace, do you think or know that NFL employees, specifically executives and high-ranking officials, signed partial NDAs that prohibit them from talking on internal NFL matters? We know the NFL likes keeping things buttoned up and away from Congress. There may be NDAs, but they're going to fail when it's time to testify. It doesn't give you the kind of privilege that the Fifth Amendment protection would. If you're asked a question under oath in a proceeding like this, you can't say I've signed an NDA. No, 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 no. So good question, but that's more about not letting this stuff get out publicly. For these situations, for court proceedings, which will be public, no NDA, no confidentiality agreement. Nothing is going to keep people from having to answer questions about what they saw, what they heard, whatever may be relevant to 
the Jim Trotter case or the defenses made by the NFL. Dr. J144, what's the threshold for insurmountable? Let me try that again. Easy for him to say. What's the threshold for insurmountable public outrage in your opinion? Absolute proof like an audio recording or having a guy on video like Ray Rice, or if others heard it and corroborate it, but there's no audio recording, would that be enough? We know how valuable nine years ago this month the video was with Ray Rice. We knew what happened in that elevator, but when you see it, it changes everything. If we would hear Terry Pagula or Jerry Jones saying the words attributed to them, yes, it would be different because it's more real then. Even if we believe based upon the words and the circumstances that it was said, when you hear it, it changes everything. And who knows? Who knows if somebody was secretly recording a conversation? We don't know. We'll find out as the litigation unfolds. World chip, any chance of a conclusion other than settlement agreement with non-disclosure agreements for each side? Yes, if, if, number one, the NFL is stubborn and hard-headed and wants to fight this through to the end, which I'd like to think they'll eventually get some good legal advice. And also, also, whoever's responsible for not putting the arbitration agreement in Jim Trotter's contract probably doesn't want the worst case scenario to come to light here. And, and even if they win, you don't want all this stuff public. But the smart move is make him an offer he can't refuse. The question is, will Trotter refuse it anyway? What's his number? We don't have a number. 40 million, 50 million, 60 million, 70 million, 80 million. What's the number? There's got to be a number where you say, boy, I'd really like to be the one who champions this cause. I'd really like to be the one that exposes the people at the league office and the people in ownership and maybe changes the whole model. Maybe we have corporate ownership of teams. I, I said this after the 2021 season where some crazy stuff was going on. And I said, wouldn't it be better if teams were owned by corporations that had committees that were responsible for diversity and good governance and all the other things that corporations do? Not that corporations are blameless because they still do some bad stuff, but it's so much easier to hold people accountable then. You can never hold an NFL owner truly accountable. I mean, if there's a lawsuit and the result is something that horribly embarrasses the company, the, the CEO could be gone. Owner's never going to be gone. So maybe this is the path. Maybe this is the way for Jim Trotter to affect that kind of seismic change that would fundamentally alter the way the NFL does business. And maybe the NFL would be better off not as mom and pop shops, as monarchies that are handing the equity from one generation to the next. And inevitably, it's going to land at a generation that has no idea what he or she is doing running the team. It's a corporation. It's a structure. It's a business. And when there's accountability externally, there's accountability internally. This may be the only chance that anyone ever has to truly get the kind of a verdict that affects the kind of change necessary for the NFL. And I would submit that I think the NFL would be better off if all 32 teams were corporations and all 32 teams had the appropriate structures in place to support human resources complaints, to take these issues seriously, to make people accountable, to change CEOs if necessary, to have people in those jobs who earned it, not simply married the right person or is the child of the person who held the equity. Shouldn't be that way. Not for businesses this big. Not for businesses that are essentially public trusts. And you're stuck. There's 10, 12 teams out there with bad owners. 
The teams with good owners like it. The fans of the teams with bad owners are stuck. Craig Evans, 48, what percentage do you give for this to actually reach court? Will it be settled? I don't know at this point. It comes down to how stubborn the NFL will be to put real money on the table and how stubborn Jim Trotter will be in saying no to that offer. And will the NFL, once it decides to settle the case, if Trotter says no, will the NFL keep putting more money on the pile? And he says no. And will they put more? And no. And will they put more? And what point does he say, I'm sorry, but I can't say no? Murphy, 1280. Why do you even waste your time? I mean, that's fine. Thanks for the warning. No interest. Fine. Why do you even waste your time responding? If you're not interested, just move along. This is for the people who are interested. So Murphy, 12800. You, you wasted 30 seconds of your life. You're never going to get back, as I just did. Uh, Keith Horton, do you suspect there are any efforts to settle this prior to litigation? I would think the NFL would have preferred to resolve this with a monetary payout along with an NDA, perhaps Trotter thinking beyond his own compensatory gain and wanting full sunshine through litigation. That's that's a fair question. Did they try to settle it? Because that'll happen from time to time. The lawyer prepares a demand letter. That was one of the first writing assignments I had first year of law school, 35 years ago, 1988, up the road in Morgantown, drafting a demand letter. I didn't know what a demand letter was. It's a device used to alert someone that you're thinking about suing on behalf of a client that they have a problem and we're giving them an opportunity to resolve it before we go to court. Did Jim Trotter do that? We don't know and we may never know. Those types of communications are typically privileged, not, not privileged that we can't find out about them, but they're never going to come up in court. Settlement discussions aren't supposed to come up at all, ever, in court. Some of these questions are completely unrelated to today's uh, topic, but that's fine. JC Carm, does this fuel the Flores Horton Wilkes lawsuit? It possibly does. But again, some of those claims have been sucked into the secret rigged kangaroo court. And as I recall, there was a decision made that some of the claims stay in court, some of the claims go to arbitration. And I think both sides filed with the presiding judge motions for reconsideration of that ruling. And I think those motions are still pending. And the case was filed 19 months ago. Just shows you how slowly these civil cases can move. Rav Buffalo, do any of the owners get forced to sell their teams? Would other commissioners force it? I mean, commissioners won't do it because they work for the owners. I remember back during the lockout in 2011, the NFL, before I, before I interviewed the commissioner, the last time I interviewed him 12 years ago, when they were doing everything they could to get their word out there. So they were making people available. John Merrow was available. Jeff Pash was available. The commissioner was available because they were trying to bang the drum in support of their position. I, I, I was fed this line of crap, frankly, that, well, the commissioner is not by the commissioner. This was in the pre-interview negotiations where they try to tell you what you should ask. Well, remember, the commissioner is the, you know, commissioner of, of, of all constituencies in football at every level. The commissioner doesn't just represent the owners, which, frankly, is baloney. It is. The owners hire the commissioner. The owners pay the commissioner. The owners decide whether to keep the commissioner. So the owner ultimately is beholden to 
the commissioner. Question from John Haley. Jerry Jones and Terry Pagula aren't specifically named as defendants, but the NFL is. Is there any legal distinction given that Jones and Pagula are part owners of the named defendant? Further, can Jones and Pagula be compelled to testify at trial or must they only submit to pretrial depositions? They'll, they'll testify at everything. And they are part of the NFL. They own the franchises that make up the NFL. They didn't need to be individually sued for this. And there's no evidence that they were involved in the ultimate decision-making process that resulted in Trotter not being employed by... Uh, by the NFL. So they're in this and they'll testify at deposition. And what happens in employment cases, a lot of times as part of the plaintiff's case in chief, the plaintiff will want to call key executives from the company as adverse witnesses and cross-examine them and draw out admissions and get them to say things as part of proving the case. That happens sometimes. That may happen here. That may not happen here. We'll see. Paul Leatherman says, no one cares. A gift with no one cares. Hey, I'm just based on these questions. I think somebody cares. It's always funny how one person says, we don't care when you, you have no idea what anybody else thinks. I'm, I'm not doing this just to waste my time. I got other shit I can do today. I think some people care about this. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, there's some other stuff here. Uh, let's just, uh, <laughs> I'm just going to keep going. Um, here's a question from Derek Arthur. Who else was in the room during the Terry Pagula comments? We'll find out during the litigation, at least one other person. And that's where it becomes interesting. How many other people were there? And will they corroborate what the NFL Network employee said during the September 3, 2020 Zoom call? Or will they refute it? And will the NFL Network employee even admit to it you know sometimes what happens is you say something in that setting and now you're thinking boy i really don't want to become persona non grata here at nfl network i'm going to take one for the team i'm just going to say i don't remember or i didn't say it or it didn't come out that way or whatever and then the question becomes is there some sort of a record of that call that happened september 3 of 2020 where the person said whatever was said that sparked jim trotter to request an internal investigation of the comments allegedly made by Terry Pagula. Thomas Hartman, my question is, why do you keep promoting unsubstantiated quotes from Pagula and Jones? As a journalist, aren't you supposed to get independent corroboration? No. How do I get independent corroboration? This is an allegation made in a lawsuit that Attorneys signed subject to the penalties of Rule 11 of the Rules of Civil Procedure that are in place to deter frivolous lawsuits. Trotter has put his name on this. And Trotter has said through these allegations that these were the result of an interaction with Jerry Jones. So the allegations are what they are. The denials are what they are. We've put both of them out there. I mean, you can make the same argument that we shouldn't put Pagula's or Jones denial out there without corroboration. They issued strong denials. We've reported them. Trotter made his allegations. We've reported them. That's what we do. You don't just ignore either side. You don't ignore both sides. You don't ignore the issue simply because no one knows exactly what happened. If we only ever reported things that we know exactly happened, there would be a lot of stuff that never got reported. All right, that's it. That's almost an hour. So I'm going to call it. Appreciate your time. We will do these PFTPM episodes as needed. I know some of you want me to do it once a week. We'll see. Probably not. Maybe there'll be something every week that justifies a special edition of PFTPM. For now, 
That's all we have to say about it. Continue to check us out around the clock at profootballtalk.com. We'll be covering this story and every other story throughout the National Football League. The season is upon us and there is a lot going on and we appreciate your time. You have plenty of options for the things that you do when you're at work or at home or traveling or wherever. Any of the time you spend with any of our offerings is greatly appreciated. We'll see you the next time we do a special episode of PSU. longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it want more helpful tips like this go to keepitfunohio.com for games quizzes and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.